This podcast is brought to you by On Track Studio. We begin today by acknowledging the Gubby Gubby people as the traditional owners of the country we are recording in today. We recognise their continued connection to the land and the waters of this beautiful place and acknowledge that they never ceded sovereignty. We pay our respects to elders past and present and extend that respect to all First Nations people who may be listening today. Welcome to the first episode of the Boring is Bad for Business podcast. I'm Suji. And I'm Joel. On this show, we discuss how business leaders can create bold, not boring brands that delight and spark emotional connections. For our very first episode, I'm really excited. We're going to take you through an answer, in our opinion, why being boring is bad for business. We won't only give you our opinions, we're also going to finish up on advice about how you can not be boring with your brand. So let's get into it. Firstly, why the name of this podcast? Why did we call the podcast? Um, and what I want to talk to you about is why did we call this podcast uh, Boring is Bad for Business? And I think to tell you that, I need to go back a little bit and tell you where the idea of Boring is Bad for Business, it all started out for us. Joel and I came together about 18 months ago, the quick version, and um, decided we'd form this new evolution of the good studio. Big part of that initial conversations was talking about our values. Um, in that session or in those sessions that we had, something that came up was this idea or the notion that being boring is bad for business. Um, that really, really stuck with us and it, it resonated because it was what we identified was, you know, in our as creatives in our own right, we what we thought and probably what brought us together was that we had this, I guess, boldness to the way that we worked and that we knew that clients would come and sort of they, they like to work with us because that was what they were drawn to. It's like they're going to get a result that doesn't look like a cookie cutter brand. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you know, we're not following trends necessarily. And I think there's some sort of energy in the work that both of us were putting out that was quite really bold and had a lot of original thinking. Um, you know, that that stuck with us for a while, this idea that being boring is bad for business. That was one of, our, one mm-hmm. of our values. And then a little bit later down the track, we went through the rebrand process ourselves. So we had the initial good studio branding and I was like, okay, a lot has changed in terms of the business structure, the customers we're trying to talk to. And also the, the the services that we're providing. So that was towards the end of last year. Is the idea or the notion that being boring is bad for business actually a value? Or is it what our business should be centered around? And mm-hmm. that's actually what we landed on. It was like, no, it's not just a value. It's so much bigger than that. Being boring for, is bad for business is actually a promise that we can deliver to our customers. Yeah, and we saw, you know, with working with clients that they're, you know, they're always trying to push the envelope and, and stand out in you know a, a saturated market, which we'll talk about a little bit more in, in in detail in a minute. But they're all trying to get eyes on them, and you know there's so much marketing, there's so much advertising. Like you jump on social media, and it's just you're absolutely bombarded with so much information. And to really get your brand noticed and acknowledged by your clients and your customers, you've you've got to challenge that status quo. You've got to you've got to step outside of the box. You've got to be you know ultimately seen. And you know the easy way to wrap that up is. If you're being boring with your your marketing and your branding, you're just gonna yeah you're just gonna fade into the noise and, and and not be seen. So, you know we really saw it as a as a value, which then turned into, I guess you could call it almost our mission of you yep. know making these generally boring brands non non boring. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's our mission. Um, I think our purpose is slightly different, but the mission with all of the work that we do is mm-hmm. to make work that's not boring. It, to make work that looks original, it sparks delight, as we say, and it it forms an emotional connection with people. So yeah, it, absolutely. It, it gets people excited. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you're going to work and, and you're not ex- inspired by the business and the brand you're working with or or you, you're trying to part with money to, to buy a product or a service, if you're not ins- excited or, or inspired, 
you know, you're, you're less likely to do that action. It's probably one of those transactional pur- purchases like toilet paper or mm-hmm. those things that you need to get every day. Um, so just expanding on what you said before about the saturation level and how bloody busy our, I guess, our brains are with messages and noises and how, how many ads we are bombarded with as customers or consumers, as people. I know you've got some data. I've got some data. I've got some numbers as, as we are as people. So I want to take you back to the year 2007. So it's actually not that long ago. But 2007, just to get you, you know, transport yourself back in time, Happy Feet. It was an Academy Award-winning movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the Big Day Out Festival that was being, head- being headlined by Tool, News and the Killers. You know, that festival that was in the middle of freaking summer. Yep. Best festival, but very, very sweaty. And we still used iPod Classic. So if you can't remember what an iPod Classic is, it's that grey iPod, very thick, quite metal, had a, had a physical button in the middle and you'd spin and you'd touch things. Looks, looks like a paperweight now. Yeah. It does, it does. And it could hold... 10,000 songs. Huge. Yep. Probably had 16 gigs. Massive. So that was 2007. Another fun fact, in 2007, Facebook had just launched its business pages. So at this point in time, there were only 100,000 business pages worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was tweeted as a, a really new feature. Um, it's, you know, companies you can connect with your you know your customers, your potential customers, and tell you about yourself, blah, 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 blah. I think it was only Arnie's that were really on Facebook at that time. Oh, trying 2007? To tell you what- oh, it, was ra- it was raging. It was yeah? popping. As right. say. No, it was going off competitions on, do you remember? Like you could make a Facebook app competition. I was 17, man. I wasn't online. I was oh, off yeah, doing other okay. stuff. All right. <laughs> Probably still rocking a MySpace. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, none of this applies. Trying to find that one song that encapsulated who I am as a person. You were watching Happy Feet. Yeah. Okay. All right. For the rest of us (laughs) who were on Facebook business pages, it was a thing. Um, So, at that point in time, a young Joel and a young Suji would have been exposed to 5,000 ads in a day. So, across all of your media, we're probably watching a lot more TV back then as we are now. Yep. 5,000 ads per day. That's still a lot if you want to stand out in a market. You probably need, yeah, you do sure. need to not, not be boring. Cut to 2021. So last year, it's probably gone up from here. The common answer to the number of ads that we're exposed to is as many as 10,000. So it's doubled. Crazy. From 2007. It's nuts. Um, you know, as you can predict, it's still going to grow and just some more numbers around that. Um, the US, there's a e-marketer has tipped that in 2022. So this year, we're going to see that social network video ad spend is going to grow by 20%. Um, so that brings up the total ad spend to $24 billion. Doesn't really mean a lot here. But, you know, thinking about the platforms that that mm-hmm. affects, this is all Instagram stories, Reels, TikTok. Um, YouTube's also got their YouTube shorts. There are going to be more messages than ever. Yep. Simply, why is being boring bad for business? Because in a marketplace like that, you have no chance if you are just doing a cookie cutter approach and putting out the same messages that customers seen have seen over and over again. Yep, super vanilla stuff, and you know those numbers are, uh, are astronomical. It's in, it's insane, and just even trying to sit there and think back, like what is one ad that I remembered today? Like it, it kind of it's almost like water water off a duck's back, and um, you know the the ones I remember are those ones that make me go like, oh shit, like that's that's pretty awesome that you know. Either they did that initiative, or or they had this new technology and they they pushed the envelope here, or um, you know it doesn't even need to be that. that Made you laugh? Yeah, that they were just outside of the box. You know, yeah. even if they are, you know, considered maybe bad or sort of even off color, it's like it, it's it's something different and and challenging the status quo of what what everyone else is doing. Yeah, absolutely. I so I definitely think that it's like challenging the status quo. But it, for me, it's that if you make me laugh or you make me look twice, there's 
Making me look twice is generally because there's an emotional response. And we're so busy, it's hard to feel always tap into what that emotional response is. But I think that's a really quick takeaway. If you're doing your advertising, if you're building your brand, like always make sure like you come back to what are those human responses that you want to be, Mm -hmm. you want to be incorporating. Oh, and as well, you know, we're we're sitting on our phone watching Netflix, probably got your laptop on next to you and it's like we're doing, you know, three things while supervising it. Apparently supervising. supervising a child at the same time. Um, so yeah, if it's you know the the same ad that's running on Facebook that all your competitors are doing, yeah, it's it's just going to turn into noise and you know not not get noticed and you're yep. sort of just throwing money up against the wall. Exactly. Funnily enough, though, I think the ads that we do notice are the ones that pop up after you've had that conversation about a product on your phone. You're like, what the hell? I feel creeped out now. Yeah, yeah, they're, def- yeah. they're definitely yeah, listening. They're, oh, they are. It's happened too many times for it not to be a coincidence. Yeah, definitely. So I guess sort of leaning leaning from there, of like we talked about the, the iPod and I remember when I got my first gen iPod and it was like, yeah. Santa black, delivered. Black and white. Um, I've still got it at home. Really? Yeah, it's in, it's in a box. Um, it turns on for about two minutes and you can literally see the battery yeah. life draining on it but it, but it still works it's, it's pretty awesome but like you know when they were pushing out those ipods they weren't talking about the 32 gig of storage right they they were talking about the songs that you're able to to hold on there and and, and giving you a physical and that emotional like realization of this can better your life in in this way the so. ads are like dancing i remember that the colored background somebody dancing holding a small, tiny device with headphones and the mm-hmm. freedom that that person had in the moment of expressing themselves was really exciting. Like, I want that. Yeah, not not your uh, Walkman with the, the stack. Clipped onto your pants. <laughs> yeah, it's a good look, um, you know, with the, the denim high high shorts yeah. to go yeah. with it. I, th- I think that was... Like, um, yeah, I've got 10 CDs on this one tiny device. Yeah, yeah awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what they were really doing is just talking about the results and, and, and that sort of X factor that it was giving you as an individual. So, you know, if, it, if it's a car company trying to sell safety features, it's not talking about the features of the, the vehicle. It's talking about how it can protect your family yeah. or, you know, a, a low carb dietary option, you know, not talking about the benefits of, of eating low carb. It's like, you're going to look better than Janice at reception Ooh. come Christmas time. Yeah. I feel, yeah. I'm so glad that we've moved away from that type of advertising, but that was definitely a thing. Like yeah. that was, yeah, it's had, it's, it's had its stage. Yeah, definitely. But yeah. you know, it, it's pulling on those re- Emotional responses and yes. and just thinking bigger than what is the you know attribute that it's, it's so the what like you know talking about the features which is very easy to do and I think small businesses um, it's that default because you know what you do really well mm. but sometimes it, you've just got to dig a lot deeper to to turn that into from a feature into the benefit what's the benefit for the customer oh and you see all the time it's you know we've got a staff of two hundred people it's like. Who cares? Okay, <laughs> like fantastic. Do I have to pay more for that then? Because yeah, fantastic to, yeah. for you where, you know, the upside could be if you call us, we'll answer 24-7. It's like, exactly. okay, well, that's that's phenomenal. Yeah, and I don't really care how many people you have. Yeah. Just that all I care about is me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We're all, um, you know, self-obsessed. Um, but it's survival. Like it's also, you know, we can say self-obsessed, but it's also, that's our survival mechanism. That's how we go. We're kind of like looking after I know there's other parts to survival and as being part of a community is that, but there's a big part of you that just has to look out for yourself. So mm-hmm. it's kind of subconscious, but it's not always a bad thing. Yeah, 100%. Um, awesome. But what we can use as, you know, uh, you know, branding specialists and, and, and marketers is is tap into tap into that. Yes. Um, so, you know, to to look at that when you're doing a, a rebrand or, or, you know, branding a startup, you know, just, just be aware of, of those emotional cues yeah and i was going to say the other part that makes a 
what makes an interesting brand or like, sorry, the opposite, what does make a boring brand? So boring brands mm-hmm. are the ones that they just talk about the what, not the why. They talk about the features instead of the benefits, I think was what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I think boring brands as well, they lack realness. They lack just human stories. It's kind of like they feel like they have this need to put up a big professional image and with that, they lose the human connection and the way that the service or the product's actually delivered is always is generally always through human to human. Or if it's not, you're, you're, at the end of the day, if you're even providing like an online health service, you're helping a person on the mm-hmm. other end of the screen. Um, so I think that, yeah, with that, there's like lacks real stories and it lacks, lacks real people. And with that, unfortunately, the original purpose of why a business started, why a brand started in a boring brand, it gets lost. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, well, we touch on it and I know we're going to do sort of more and more episodes about this this sort of real element of a, of a business and a brand. Um, and, you know, just to touch on it quickly, like I'm a big believer that most people start a, a business because they have a, a love of something um, or they have a passion. And then as soon as we, we sort of start to go into the marketing and, and branding of a business, we start to move away from that and we, we start to put up some smoke and mirrors because we're like, hey, like this is what our competitors are doing and this is how we feel that we should really fit in. But we lose that that special source, that that thing that makes you unique and, and, and can drive that human interaction and, and that passion. So we just need to be very careful that we're presenting the right things to, to our customers and our clients that is based off that passion, that thing that gets you excited. And if it gets you and the people within your room excited, it's more than likely to get your, your clients excited as well. Like we're even seeing, you know, like Telstra, like they pushed for so long talking about like, all the infrastructure that they have in place and you know how they're so much bigger than Optus and, and all these things. And now their, their most recent ad is you know this woman walking into a Telstra store and there's like these human interactions and everyone remembers her name and it's like, you know, you can, you can believe that or, or not. But these bigger corporations now are coming back to realize that people want to be seen as people. They don't want to be mm-hmm. just seen as, as, as customers, you know. Yes, humanize things, yes. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, smaller boutique businesses just need to realize that that's a benefit. Like being small, being, you know, run by mum and pup or, you know, it's a it's a family run business is a benefit. Like lean into that. Don't showcase that yeah. story. I think tell the story. Show photos of your team, show photos of yourself, mm-hmm. um, profile your team throughout your communications. Make their what they do and how they contribute to the business and the brand. A story. It is a story. 100%. People are interested in, in how the product or the service that they receive is built. It's created. Yep. So I think the final thing that like a boring brand to me, what it looks like, and this is a big one, that they don't value design and the impact it can make. So good design, and there is a massive difference between good design and bad design. There mm-hmm. are underlying principles um, and elements of design and typography that really can make a brand or a, a design experience be elevated or look cheap and nasty. Mm-hmm. Um it's a whole technical thing in itself and we can go through some of those principles so that I think brand managers, business owners, whoever it is can have a better understanding. But at the end of the day, you need to go with somebody who has the experience in that field and they are, you, know, you can see, you kind of get that feeling of quality through their work. You choose them to work with because to try and learn all those principles and do it yourself, it's only going to get you so far. So when you're in Canva and things like that. And the, the whole issue is, you know, good design when it's done well, you don't actually notice it. Mm-hmm. It just feels beautiful. And that beautiful feeling of like when you look at a book or you look at Apple's packaging, it's such a cliche, or Nike's packaging or their ads, it feels really bloody good and you trust it and you're happy to hand your, your money over. And I think Aesop as well is a great one, mm-hmm. just beautifully designed. So whereas bad design and a cheap, glossy you know, pamphlet 
mm-hmm. big logos, a lot of stock photography. It just says to me, this is disingenuine. Not a lot of care and thought has been put into this. So, well, no, no consistency no, from you know the website through to the packaging yep. and, and everything in between. Yep, it just says, oh, okay. Well, like I obviously potentially you, you might be in this situation, like okay, I need this service, but you know I probably am going to put my price limit at X. Mm-hmm. It, it limits you. Whereas good design, and if you invest in this from the start, and bo- non-boring brands understand this, it can elevate your positioning so so much. Oh, absolutely. And you know, I see designers you know arranging information you know in a, in a hierarchy ultimately and it's you know if you go to a website and it's like man i don't even know what you want me to do here um you know it might not even be the fact that i don't trust you guys but it's like i don't even know how to check out i don't even know what process you want me to do to, to move forward and we've all been on those websites or sort of been on the the phone with someone and it's like okay so to move forward like what what Tell do i do here step, and it's like yeah. you know it that comes back to you know bad UI, bad UX, or, you know, even just bad training of your staff of mm-hmm. just like, you know, this is how we communicate as as a brand and as a business. That's and design too. Like yeah, this is how absolutely. we answer the phone and on a sales call, say, for example, a lead comes in, this is how we answer the phone. Then we need to collect information, A, their name, where they live and what type of, what, what they need. Mm-hmm. And then after we've got that information, then we step them through the next process and we keep guiding people. That is a design, that's a process as well. Yeah, and just being... Design. Yeah, conscious of you know everything we're doing, all those all those digital and non digital touch points that a customer is experiencing, um, and yeah, just building that into your your brand. And I see, you know, we we talk a little bit about it, but you know, a non boring brand isn't just a a brand that has a, a kick ass identity. You know, it it's a business that has you know truth behind everything they do, and everything's just yeah thought of and a, and a conscious decision. Yes, and it's continually improved and that's part of this design thinking mm-hmm. is that design is iterative like it keeps continue as your customers grow as your business grows as your knowledge grows you have you, you keep doing iteration after iteration yeah, it's, it's innovation like yes. even you know back to apple um just because it's low picking fruit um yeah kind yeah of. like last night i was having <laughs> i was having dinner and there's the new iphone at 20 yes yeah. <laughs> yeah, something ridiculous and um yeah it's, it's quite different you know it, it's still you know, minimal and, and, and quite quite dark and moody. But they're sort of starting to push some some colour and a, a little bit more animation and a, and a lot more movement. And it's, you know, I kind of feel like they've taken their foot off the accelerator a little bit and sort of just leaned into what was working. And, I you know, I sort of see people are starting to lose lose interest a, a little bit, like as I'm fully like kitted out in, yeah. in Apple stuff. But yeah, they're, they're even realising that, hey, like you can't rest on this. Like you've got to keep, you know, they're obviously innovating their tech, but they need to start innovating their their brand more and more, and and you know, explain to the the customers and their clientele like we're doing all this innovation behind the doors. So yeah, we need. What's to, it mean for you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's a that's a pretty good example of you know even you know a, a massive company just you know continuing to to innovate. Absolutely. So on that, we've got a few we've got a few points principles that we say this is how you can not be boring. Mm-hmm. And we'll take you through those now because if you weave these into your approach of brand build, building, we really believe that, and I really believe that you can build a really powerful brand. Um, and when we say a powerful brand or the opposite to a boring brand is a bold brand. So for us, that's a brand that sparks an emotional connection straight away. It gets you noticed and it, it, makes, it delights you as a customer yeah, to see it. Gives you those little warm, warm fuzzy, fuzzies. fuzzy feelings inside, which, you know, from a outside perspective, it's like, well, why do I feel like that? And you're like, 
because that's good design. Yes. You know, it's those subtle, subtle things that you're just like, hey, like they're actually building an emotional response to me without even realizing. Yeah. It's great copy. It sounds like a person. It's, pol- you know, it's, I don't even notice the design is bad. It's like, it's really nice and polished. Or if it's a physical product, I actually want to touch it and pick it up because it's been beautifully designed and it's, there's something that's just pulling me in. Mm. You walk into a space and you're like, man, this, this smells like what it should smell like. This gives me the sense of, you know, I didn't know where you're going with that. Home, it like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've worked too yes. long together yeah. now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess that that first that first point is just really find out you know who you are and, and what you stand for, and I, I think that comes back to you know good strategy, good question asking from you know whether it's a strategist or or, or a studio. You're Anyone working can with, ask questions, or even you know yeah. within within the boardroom of just like who are who are I, we and what are, what are we doing here? Absolutely, and I hope that the way that we build brands that someone who's doing work experience with us can ask a question in that setting and it is pivotal to pulling that out. Yeah, definitely. Um, But yeah, we just see a lot of it is just like asking those, those right questions, finding out what they are and then building that into your brand, not just ignoring them and going like, you know, Suji, that was a great point. Yeah. We're all about that. Let's file that and just put it in a drawer. No, like Let's put that up on the wall. Let's share it. Let's let's build it into who we are and what we represent. Yeah, and with that, I think it's about pulling out key, you know, key things that communicate what you are and who you are and what you stand for. It's like pieces like your mission statement, your vision statement, your values. Like mm-hmm. you need to distill them down into different categories, and then it's about exploding those and putting them everywhere and sharing them in all different mo- modes and mediums because. And that's why we kind of like the podcast. There's all different ways. There's different ways to communicate that get a message through. So it's, you know, don't just do it in one area of your business or your brand. Like, yeah, make sure you're thinking about your internal space. Make sure you're thinking about how you communicate your brand to your team. Like, we're so passionate about that. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're thinking about how your brand looks, of course, online and, and through your socials. Yeah, 100%. So the, the, second, the second principle is, you know, just speak like a goddamn human. Pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. But it's overlooked a lot. So it's brand voice. And I have this theory that with corporate writing and business writing, there's perhaps this kind of idea that because we have reports and we have all these formal things that we need to do in business and we all go through university and we need to talk like a robot, mm-hmm. that when it comes to building brands and people who work for corporate brands forget about the fact that marketing is about human to human connection. Yeah. It's about people providing benefits or selling things to other mm. people and people buy them. Um, so all of that report writing, which is perhaps why I act maybe like writing these days and I didn't like writing back mm. then, um, throw all the old rules out the window. Just speak like you talk, like you would talk to your friends mm. or if you, or your, how your customers, your target market would talk to each other. Yeah, even, even B2B, you know, yeah. it's like just at the end of the day, there's someone sitting there reading it. It's not you know, another corporation that's faceless that has, you know, no people working behind the scenes reading it. It's a, it's an individual who has, you know, yeah, those emotional And cues. unfortunately, I think that governments in general, not just our current government, all governments do adopt this. We have to be formal. And there's probably a lot of a lot of cultural things and the traditions passed down through time that, that say that. But what it means is that governments just don't, people don't feel like they can relate to the governments. They don't feel mm-hmm. like they can relate to the parties because it's all done at arm's length. It's all yep. done in this really impersonal way. And I think writing is such an important part that's overlooked in your, in your brand and that brand voice. Um, it's just as important as the visual identity, creating a strong verbal identity. And yeah, like you jump on some websites and you, and you read what these businesses are about and you're like, 
you're an innovative corporation that affects positive infrastructure globally. You're like, what the f-? like? What is that? What does that yeah. mean? <laughs> um, and I just sort of see it as like you're you're hiding behind something. Like mm-hmm. you you maybe you haven't asked those those difficult questions and and put that out. And yeah, you're just hiding behind all these buzzwords that make you sound intelligent. Um, where you know I'm enjoying writing now as well, where I'm literally just writing as I speak. Yep. Um, and it, you know, it gives me the, the freedom to just be able to go like, you know, just jot stuff down and not overthink it by just trying to sound intelligent because professional. You know, yeah. 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 Another brand that's doing this really well, and it's a complete opposite end of the spectrum is typo. So mm-hmm. if you haven't seen them, you probably weren't targeted with these ads, but they have been shared a lot on social media and LinkedIn. So typo are running some ads and it's the ad is literally, you know, a product shot. And then the person who's writing the ad, who's writing the ad says, hi. And it's a kind of like unedited. There's no grammar there's no full stops no caps hi my bosses have told me that new stock has has landed it's my job to tell you about it go check our website Mm -hmm. just like and it's you know it's talking to this younger market and it's like so nonchalant i don't really care like whatever go buy the stuff it's making people laugh and it's so simple and it's so easy but just have a bit of fun with the brand boys it doesn't always have to be conventional yeah 100 so the third principle that we want to talk about is just getting out there um you know, just trying to speak to your customers where they are um, and, you know, get on people's radar, which is very difficult, you know, as we've previously talked about, where there's just so much noise going on. Everyone's sort of, you know, pushing TikTok, everyone pushing Instagram. But I think you need to be on the platforms if your customers are there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, just showing up, you know, yeah. consistently. Um, I think people sort of have this idea of, hey, we can push this one area once. Um, oh, we didn't get any, you know, we didn't get any results there. And it's like, well, no, you just need to like, you know, keep keep showing up consistently, even if it is, you know, pushing organic organic yep. socials. Yep. And I think that that happens though, because it's say if you are a brand where your customers are on TikTok, say you're a fashion or a beauty mm-hmm. or a, even a food kind of product, and you know that you've got a younger audience and they are on TikTok, if you feel like it's not working for you, I'd say also get out there is also spend your time consuming, spend your time consuming what your customers consume yep. and consume like them because then you kind of pick up on these subtle cultural not even subtle you start to pick up on cultural trends you start mm-hmm. to pick up on what they're interested in you you start to pick up on what they don't like mm-hmm. and that's when um that's when you build this ability to relate and you build this ability to connect with people so i think to to create content that connects you first need to get into whatever mindset it is that your customers are in yeah for sure and and i think again it's just like just challenging the status quo like you walk into a room and sort of or pre-COVID and it's starting to come back. Everyone's throwing business cards around. Mm. Um, and yeah, you know, it's generally the the 200 GSM glossy piece of shit that you're just going to throw in the bin. Um, yeah, just just think about it and go like, hey, like let's get something that's a little bit extra, you know, whether it's a, a star, a circle or, or, or something that isn't just the standard status quo that, you know, is is a bit exciting and, and sort of, yeah, just challenges what everyone else is doing or, you know, non-corporate business shirts, like shirts that your employees actually want to wear. Like I sort of have this principle of if we're designing merch for, for a company, it's something that like I would want to wear or, you know, if, if I'm obviously the, the, the target market. But um, yeah, just step away from what everyone else is doing. Um, and, you know, as Marty Newmar says, like zig when everyone else sort of, sort of zags. Absolutely. So our fourth principle is about representation. Yes. So something big, um, of course, diversity. We all are aware of it. I think brands are starting to do. We've seen Victoria's Secrets has finally got rid of their one type of woman portrayal and they're starting to show 
a different range of body types and ethnicities in their lingerie. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Um, we're seeing smaller brands and businesses start to do that. But I think that sometimes it can be a bit tokenistic. So when I say like, I don't really like the word diversity, I'd prefer to say representative. So mm-hmm. look at society, look at culture, look at the types of people that are out there. Um, represent and, and think about this. Like how can we better represent all abilities, ethnicities, genders, suburbs, people, different types of buyers that aren't your aspirational, kind of like the aspirational person. Like try to be more real and representative in what you do. Oh, and I think as well, like within that space, you know, greenwashing was such a thing for for such a long time. Now I think it's almost, you know, inclusion washing, diversity washing, um, where we sort of sit in some some meetings sometimes and it's like, hey, we want to include these sort of people. But then as the, the conversation goes, it's like, well, you don't really. Uh, yeah. Designing a product, it's going to be, we want to make sure we have a product in our range for di- people with disabilities. Oh, okay, great. So have you spoken to anyone who has a mm-hmm. disability? Are you actually getting them to consult and tell you what they need and what's working? Oh, no, not yet. Like I think that's very tokenistic. It needs mm-hmm. to go deeper. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's not a thing of just a checklist. Um, you know, there's obviously benefits of doing that from a marketing standpoint, but I think as a society standpoint it's it's definitely something that we need to be pushing more and more as um you know product developers and and business developers yeah i even heard um shawnee actually your partner shared an article and it was like cities are designed based on like the old kind of like where it came from city design and town planning was always designed for men okay so like designing cities for women actually looks a little bit different i didn't go deep into the article but the gist that i was getting that is like a different layer of safety and security that women need and it's like if you don't have, I think this representation comes like through twofold. If in marketing, like you don't have people represented, they don't feel included, that you can't be what you can't see. Mm-hmm. But I think the other thing is if you don't have people who actually have these lived experiences in roles of um, influence and in roles of consulting and actually helping do this, then we can never build brands that actually help people. We can yeah, never sure. build brands that are really truly authentic because we're doing it in, in a really in an inauthentic way. We don't actually know someone's lived experience as a woman as a different ability, as a different gender, as a different like socioeconomic experience. It's you've got to get people and pull real people in and pull tell real stories. Yeah, and I think um, you know, one thing that I sort of see that that we do is is bring as many people into those com- early conversations of, you know, those strategy conversations and and give everyone an equal seat at the table. I think as well, you know, you obviously being female um, and myself being male is, you know, it does give us two two perspectives and um, you know, allows us on, on some projects to be like, hey, this is more, you know, within your realm. So sort of take take the lead a little bit here yep. versus, um, you yeah, know. Yeah, but I think we can still get better. Like I think, you know, talk, oh, absolutely. talking about this, it's like, well, f- we, we have a very narrow perspective of the world. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, might be female, might be Asian, but I think our lives are pretty, we have a lot of common, common ground. Like, you know, we have yeah, a very similar upbringing similar areas that we lived in schools etc yep, work in the same place yep. um you know commute went to uni blah 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 yep. yep yeah definitely um note for ourselves be better at representation 100 now our final principle for not being boring how to not be boring as a brand is get comfortable with being uncomfortable mm-hmm. i think if you don't want to be boring if you want to be bold if you want to be somebody who's noticed doing original thinking you're going to have to get comfortable with like being the freaking odd one out. Mm-hmm. It's like this – and I, there is this innate – and there's, there's all sorts of reasons for this. There are – like as humans, we actually just want to fit in. Uh, it's a oh, it's yeah. going back to survival. Like we do want to do that. So sometimes it's really hard to take a risk. And the other thing that I notice a lot is it's hard to change. So if you're a business who has looked a certain way, 
for any period of time. It could be one year, it could be two years, it could be 20 years. And then you see your business presented in a brand presented in a different way that might be a little bit more risky. It might not be wrong, but it's going to feel wrong for a certain point in time. Yeah, I kind of see it if you're not a little bit scared or a little bit uncomfortable, as you put it, um, when you're pushing out a new brand, you know, you're probably not going as hard as as you should be. Um, and yeah, going back to, you know, this isn't an ad for Muddy Newmire, but it kind of should be, um, you know, zig when everyone else zags. You know, a company, one of his quotes is, a company can't be a leader by following a leader, um, which I think is is fantastic. It's like, you know, if you're literally just doing what everyone else is doing, um, not pushing the envelope, not, you know, being a little bit uncomfortable, yeah, you, you're just following that status quo and again, just going to you know, blend into the noise. Absolutely. And it might not be with a full rebrand. It could be that you're pitching an idea for your brand of a new type of marketing or a new type of ad or a new placement to, you know, you want to do a 3D billboard. Oh, wait, we've never heard of a 3D billboard. Do you think that that's, that's mm-hmm. going to actually work? There's people up above you asking those questions. It's like, yeah, well, that's actually quite unique and I'm sure it's going to cost a lot of money. So this brand must have a decent budget, but mm-hmm. that's unique. No one, not many people have done that at, yet. So... Yeah, it's going to feel a bit uncomfortable. It's not going to feel, you know, right. We're going to move some money over to, to afford that, but potentially it's going to make a really big impact. Oh, and I think within Australia, like we've got this tall poppy syndrome thing yes. that's going on. We've all dealt with it. Um, Probably internally and externally. Yeah, while, while growing up and, you know, the person who stands out to the side is usually the person who gets in trouble or, or mocked by friends and sometimes even family. Um, but, you know, to lead, to to be noticed, to innovate within a space, yeah, you have to be that person, you know, challenge, you thick challenging. Skin. Yep. And I think the way you do that is that if you go back to point one, you really tap into who you are and what you stand for. It's a lot easier to stand up with confidence and conviction and just be like, you know what, I'm a bit weird. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And, and be true to yourself and, and, you know, sort of leading across to, you know, yourself as a person, as you get older, you sort of start to understand who you are a little bit better and you work. I hope you're working on that of understanding that, which then in turn, you know, allows you to be a little, a little weird, like, you know, be like Bowie, let your freak flag fly a little bit because you have that belief within yourself. Now this is turning into a self-help podcast, but it's the same same with a a business and a brand. Absolutely. It's a, it's very, and people actually say this funnily enough, that was like therapy when we did a brand workshop. Yeah. Is it is the principles about getting to know yourself and getting more comfortable. Exactly the same. Think of your brand as a person. It gets to know itself as it matures. Fantastic. Absolutely. Well, that brings us to the end of our very first episode. Um, I had an absolute ball going through that. Yeah, definitely. Just to touch on the things that we discussed. It's like, why is boring bad for business? We kind of explained where the whole name came from. We took you through why we think it's bad for business and the fact that, you know, if you are going to blend in, you're going to be just part of the noise because there are... 10,000 messages and growing per day that we're exposed to. Uh, we took you through why boring brands, you know, what a boring brand does look like. And then our final five principles as to, you know, the things that we think you can apply to be basically not boring. Absolutely. Thank you very much for listening. Um, we'd love to hear any feedback. So, you know, jump on Instagram and, and shoot us a DM or email us at hello at thegoodstudio.com.au. Otherwise, we will catch you on the next episode and um, yeah, keep it non-boring. <laughs>